Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women in science, technology, engineering and maths, or STEM, an opportunity to share honestly and openly about what it's really like working in these typically male-dominated subjects. Each week, one woman shares her stories and experiences. She could be a public figure, the girl next door, or someone from a far-off land. The point is, she'll be deliberately kept anonymous and disguised to ensure that we're not distracted by the details of her achievements, her labels, or what she looks like. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, also a woman in STEM. I studied mechanical engineering and ended up as a television broadcaster. I worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation over the years. And through my television work, I've met some incredible women from a diverse range of STEM fields. And you know what? I've been more amazed about what I've learned from these women when the cameras have been turned off and they're just being themselves. These women have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human just like the rest of us. And it's their off-air honesty that I'd love to share with you through silence. This week, my guest is also in the field of mechanical engineering. Hi. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited to be able to talk to someone that studied something that I also studied. I feel like we've got loads in common and I'm curious to see whether we've had similar journeys. Yeah, me too. Firstly, what was it like growing up? Like what kind of kid were you that maybe suggested that you would end up in mechanical engineering? Yeah, so I um, originally um, grew up in the Midwest. I came from kind of a, a small, um, very white suburban town and um, raised by both of my parents. And my parents kind of had these um, conflicting parenting styles, which I think eventually kind of led me to engineering. Um, my father was actually a software engineer, so he was always into STEM and, um, you know, kind of showing me those things like buying me um, little science kits or buying me um, books about math and things like that. While my mom on the other side didn't think maybe education and those types of um, skills were as important and really pushed a lot of um, cleaning, um, learning how to cook, learning how to dress. Uh, things like that. But I think overall, like my my dad's influence, I saw I, it was more fun. Learning about math and science was way more fun than um, learning to be a housewife. So I that influence really um, it was just something that affected me from such a young age. And I was always thinking about engineering, maybe since the age of seven. Yeah, I also had a very strong influence from my father, I must admit, I was a bit of a daddy's girl. But were you aware back then, maybe at the tender age of seven, that mechanical engineering was a boy's subject or did that not even occur to you? I knew, so I kind of knew what engineering was because my father was um, in that field. But overall, um, I knew that math and science was definitely a boys club. Um, I think on the front of my science kit that I got at that age, it was like um, a blonde, blue-eyed um, boy and his father with like test tubes on the front of that. And even that packaging, I remember that like, oh, I can be that boy. Or um, even just like TV shows I watched, like one of my favorite shows was um, the cartoon Dexter's Laboratory on Cartoon Network. And um Dee Dee, the older feminine sister, was kind of uh, unintelligent compared to the smart uh, brother. Wow. So even back then, the stereotypes were raging. Yeah, definitely. I didn't think it stopped me. It never said, like, you cannot be this, but I did notice it. So clearly it didn't stop you. So do you reckon your father was your biggest inspiration and role model? Yes, definitely. My father definitely was. Um, I think, and I don't really think he meant to do this on purpose, but he actually raised me um, in a very gender neutral way. I, I like to think that um, I it's me and then I also have a younger sister. Um, I was the son my father always wanted, but never had. And so he just wanted to show me 
anything and everything and also kind of relive his childhood um, through raising his daughters. So um, being introduced to sports, being introduced to fixing things around the house and power tools, those kinds of things. And it it's such little, little things. Um, and it really influenced me. He's, he's definitely one of my biggest influences in my life. Wow, you are literally telling my story. <laughs> I mean, how strong was the influence? Um, were you following your own heart or um, was your father's influence so strong that it was more his dream than yours? I think that was the really nice thing. It, While it had so much influence in my childhood, it eventually became my dream. Um, in high school, I actually kind of had this fork in the road. I've always been a creative person as well. So it was either art school or engineering school. And my dad, he bit his tongue as much as he didn't want me to go to art school and pursue that. He didn't say anything. He was very neutral. He's a very neutral person and really doesn't push any ideology or on me or my sister when growing up. So that was really nice. So I, I like to say that... Um, I picked mechanical engineering and I think my father would wanted me to go into computer science anyway. So <laughs> what was your academic journey in a nutshell? How did you get to where you are today? Yeah. So I think a, a pet peeve of mine is when people call other people smart or you're so smart, like blah, 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 blah. Um, you did it because you are smart. And I just think there's so much more than being smart. I wasn't a straight A student. Um, I was maybe, I got B's throughout um, high school and like B's and C's throughout college. And I, I think my academic journey was honestly um, studying a lot by myself and a lot of um, self-motivation. Um, so actually, when I, again, when I was seven or eight years old, um, I, I was lucky enough to go to a private school. I was living in Southeast Asia at the time, and the private school would let you go up grades in your subject courses. And for whatever reason, I thought math was super fun. So I'm like, I don't want to be in second grade level math. I'm going to study math in my free time and try to get to fourth grade level math. And I did that for fun, um, just because I wanted to. Um, I don't think I was smart. I just think I had that <laughs> motivation to succeed. Wow. So there's a real determination to um, get through the subjects that you needed, even though you didn't find them easy. Yeah, it was. Um, the subjects were not easy. I think my best subject, just um, thinking back at high school, was probably writing and probably um, politics and those kind of liberal art courses. I just found the STEM courses to be so much more rewarding. Um, and so I really pushed through that. So I don't think maybe naturally I don't fall into the engineer like I'm not I don't think I'm naturally good at engineering I just wanted to do it at that point did you say that you did struggle with maths or that you were just so interested in it that you pursued it I was a pretty good student up until I hit um high school and things got a lot harder I'm also really blessed that I was able to go to a very good high school. Um, so that gave me a lot of opportunities. We had the um, option to go up to multivariable calculus um, through my high school. So as soon as I started hitting my Calc 1 course in high school, so um, about college level courses, it started getting really, really difficult um, for me. And yeah, just the, the constant studying I'm trying to find a group of friends. I actually found a really great group of girlfriends. So we had our our girl math study group for calculus, which really helped me a lot. And how important was that girl math study group? The girl math study group in high school was so essential. Um, just getting together, um, laughing, and it wasn't even talking about like, oh, we're the only girls in class, because I think the class was actually probably 50-50 um, in high school. So that just, that wasn't even 
um, something that we discussed. It was just hanging out, you know, high school girls, uh, maybe talking about the the cute boy in the corner and then um, trying to figure out how integrals work. <laughs> um, but I think that all changed actually kind of what you were saying in college. So I had had this expectation, like, it's 50-50 now, high school, um, so much representation in my classes where I didn't even recognize it. And then I went to college and I was like, whoa, about maybe only 20% of um, people in my mechanical engineering classes are female. Um, so that was surprising. Yeah, I mean, the girls tend to start dropping STEM subjects uh, the further they go through academia. Why do you think that happens? I there's, I think there's a, a lot of reasons. I don't know, and each girl probably they they'll drop out for their own reasons. I do not think there is a good support system for women. Um, I still think there's a lot of um, remarks that are being said by your male peers, but also um, by your even your professors and um, that that make it really uncomfortable. Um, I had to deal a little bit with that um, maybe when things really started narrowing down when I was really the only girl in class. So that started happening like uh, my junior and senior year of college. Um, I don't know. That's a really tough question. And I'd like to hear more about your experience and why you think that, especially for with mechanical engineering. Yeah, I mean, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was really um, as a result of my experience in really being very sensitive to the difference between the way men learn and the way women learn. So I just lacked so much confidence in my ability. And so I was often the kind of shrinking violet in the class, you know, the quiet one, because I didn't want to get the answers wrong. And I didn't want to fit the stereotype that girls were not as good as boys in these subjects. I was just full of a lot of self-doubt and that really kind of made me want to stand in the background. Did you ever experience that? Yes, yes, um, constantly. And even to this day um, as, a, as a working professional, um, still having this self-doubt. And um, we hear this all the time, like uh, women need to get 10 out of 10 um, requirements to think that they're adequate while um, their male peers, maybe six out of 10 is good enough and they'll they'll go and jump for that opportunity. Um, I definitely see that. I think there's um, a culture that um, women uh, need to be perfect in everything that they do. And that pressure is is totally there. And especially being um, one of the only females um, in school and even at work, I feel like I'm, I'm more noticed. I think people, I think people are watching me. I don't know if that's true or not. (laughs) Yeah, I think self-consciousness is a major part of the way we carry ourselves in the industry. And it's also really interesting that you mention perfectionism, because I often do ask myself, did the perfectionism exist before mechanical engineering or did it develop during mechanical engineering? Because at a certain point in my career, I just feared failure. Um, And I don't know when that started to kick in. And I completely agree with you. I started to set standards for myself that were unreasonably high. Are you working in mechanical engineering now then? I am. And I'm I'm, uh, very proud to say that. I also know, I forget the statistic, but a lot of women also drop out of mechanical engineering um, during the transition between um, graduation and getting that first job. I was very conscious of that fact. So I told myself my first job has to be a hardcore uh, mechanical engineering job. So um, I've been working now. I graduated two years ago. So I've been working at the same company uh, for two years. And it's been 
um, a crazy but amazing experience there. And what is your job like on a daily basis? So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my company without mentioning the name, but uh, we are a contract engineering service and our main clientele is Silicon Valley. And so um, I didn't know this at all that this even existed before um, getting this job. But a lot of the times, a lot of these Silicon Valley big companies and even startups, they need to get um, something kind of like a showpiece, something to show their investors, something they need to display at like the consumer electronics show, but they don't have the bandwidth or they thought of this idea way too last minute. So they would actually outsource that whole design to a small company like mine. And we're basically ghost designers for Silicon Valley. You'll never hear about my company. We will never get the credit. But after being at my company for two years, I, I look around um, things from um, little consumer electronics um, to even autonomous cars. Um, a lot of those designs are not designed by those companies. So kind of a an industry secret there. So um, my day-to-day life is uh, at work is pretty crazy. We are supposed to work about two to four times faster than a uh, typical Silicon Valley company. And those um, companies are already working at pretty rapid paces. So it's a lot of long hours. I do a lot of CAD work in front of the computer, rapid prototyping, that kind of thing. It, it was actually my dream job. And um I was lucky enough to get it. So I'm really happy about that. That's so awesome that you're right in the thick of mechanical engineering. Um, What's the gender balance like? Um, Are you very conscious of being a woman or is this not even an issue for you today? It's still definitely an issue. Um, The gender balance is horrible. Um, I'm at a company, maybe we have 50 to 60 people. There are two females um, that are on the engineering teams. So two out of 50 right now. Wow. And what do you feel you lack by not working with other women? Um, I think I lack um, a lot of... um, respect i had to gain my respect and i feel like i recently got the respect of um, my fellow teammates and managers after two years of working people didn't trust me and people did definitely go out of their way since we're such a fast-paced company walk up to me and ask me you know what am i doing why am i doing it this way and in a in kind of a tone that I didn't hear asked of the other peers, like I was less trustworthy in a way. What kind of resilience did you need to develop to survive that? Uh, a lot of, <laughs> to be honest, uh, the first few months I came home and I would just cry. It was um, pretty sad. I, I just had to, it was my goal to... Um, push through, do the mechanical engineering thing. Um, it's if Even if I switch out of mechanical engineering one day, I, I know just in general for my overall career path, I need a strong foundation of technical knowledge. And the best time to do that is, you know, while I'm, I'm young and st- still fresh out of college. So the first few months were really terrible um, for my self-esteem and confidence. Um, my friends... Uh, we're pretty supportive. Um, I have a boyfriend that I live with. He um, also is in um, the tech industry. So he saw the exact same things and he was very supportive and always had an open ear for me to basically just vent all the time. In the end, there were like very specific situations where I knew I was doing something the right way even if the rest of the team didn't think so and just like knowing inside myself like I'm doing this correctly or I'm doing this you know technical approach the best way just I don't know I just had to believe in myself to to push through and I'm getting better and better at that. Yeah I was gonna say that it sounds like you have a lot of self-belief. Yeah I if I don't believe in myself no one else will so 
Yeah. And where do you think that self-belief has come from? I think a lot of it is growing up and being able to do it in a controlled setting, such as school. Um, I wasn't the best student, but I pushed through. I was really happy with the grades. I was able to make personal goals and reach all those personal goals um, and have done that my entire life. So it's like, if if I've done it before, I can I can do it again and keep believing in myself, push past this hurdle. So is, has it been a case of setting goals and just being utterly focused in achieving them? Yes, I, I did try like very like um, specific things such as bullet journaling, where you write out all your goals or um, just general journaling and to try and record all of that in a more um, like logical, uh, data-driven way. Um, That didn't really work for me. But yeah, setting those goals, like big lofty goals, and just focusing on them and thinking about it every day. So um, each year, I kind of have an overall theme and like an overall goal. So just generally working towards that. So my overall goal this year is um, career confidence and doing everything to um, step up to the plate, gain that respect from everyone and be more confident in myself. While my overall goal last year, so that would be my, um, you know, getting it after my first year of working was just getting my shit together, um, surviving at work, just um, getting through the kind of this adulting groove and getting used to that um, kind of everyday um, same thing uh, life. Um, But I think that's really helped like a a year goal. Not only does it make sense, but it's incredibly wise. That just seems like a very responsible, mature way to plan your life. So do you tend to set your goals just annually or do you have a long term plan? Currently, I do not have a long-term plan. I did, and my long-term plan many years ago was the the very basic, um, go to high school, get your degree, go to college, get your degree, find a really, really cool job. And that's kind of where my life plan um, stopped. And so now I'm kind of taking it um, year by year. And I... I know that's actually kind of the next step that I need to do is um, the life plan. Because that's a really uh, popular question I still don't know how to answer is, um, where do you see yourself five years from now? I don't know. Okay, so what does having it all mean to you? Having it all, I think hmm, everything kind of just it comes from happiness and being happy but also just being happy with um everything you have in your life so i just think like job satisfaction is is super essential being happy with your group of friends and relationships making sure there's no toxic people in your life i think um having it all um in this day and age, um, just requires being financially stable, um, living somewhere safe, and just being satisfied with your current situation and just being content. And I, I think I'm, I am almost there. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy. And I'm actually really proud to be almost fully content with what I have. So what about other things like family and having children, which is obviously, you know, a major role of a woman, you know, obviously, and men, but what are your thoughts around having a family? Uh, when I was younger, I wanted kids. I wanted I wanted two little girls, just like, just like how, what my mom wanted. And now... Um, growing up and seeing everything. I thought by um, my age, I would actually have at least one one or a couple of kids um, by now, but I am nowhere near that. I think growing up takes a lot longer than, um, I don't know, your 14-year-old self would think. And so right now, kids are definitely 
not there, but there's a lot of pressure from my family. My mom's side of the family um, is Southeast Asian. So there is some of this Asian culture um, pushing for kids and because my mom wants her grandbabies to take care of that kind of thing. And every family reunion, I got to say, hey, all, no, I am, I'm not getting married anytime soon. And I'm not planning on kids anytime soon, because I really need to just focus on myself first. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I find it very inspiring that you're putting what you want first, because certainly my story is that I put other people's expectations of me before my own. And so I really commend you for being strong on that. How did you develop that real sort of confidence in knowing what you want? I don't know. I I just kind of know what I want. Just um, I'm I'm always um, thinking about self improvement and how I can get better and um, you know reach that content state, um, that state of happiness. So that's always what I'm working towards, and I don't know why those are my goals but that's what they are right now and i'm i'm a pretty stubborn person um when it comes to <laughs> getting things my way um and that actually came from the relationship i think between me and my mom like i said uh my parents had two very different parenting styles my mom was very strict and didn't um, really appreciate the value of education, especially when her goal was for her daughters to be um, housewives, um, but, you know, with like a very comfortable stay-at-home lifestyle. And so um, back in high school, my mom and I would get into fights because there were some nights where it was my turn to cook dinner for the family and I would say, no, I have to study for my AP test. I have all this, you know, high school classwork. Like, I really can't cook dinner tonight. And I would get grounded from dinner. So there would be, um, there was this one time um, where I wasn't allowed to eat at my home anymore. Because if I wasn't willing to cook and provide for my family, my mom would not um, do that for me. And so I would need to leave the house and like go eat dinner at the neighbors or find food elsewhere. So I can um, continue <laughs> studying for my AP classes. So I just I became very stubborn, I think that way. Wow. And it sounds like you really developed an assurance in what you wanted for yourself. Yeah, I think so. I think it began began with just wanting this was my way of rebelling like my mom doesn't like me studying so I'm gonna study <laughs> which is I guess um it ended up being very positive in the end but yeah it just it it forced me to be self-assured because like if I'm gonna commit to not eating food anymore at my house for you know the next month I need to commit to that that's amazing and and what keeps you driven in your job like what ultimately are you getting from the work you do I'm very proud of the work I do I think my favorite thing is seeing something that comes from just an idea in the customer's head we work with a lot of um extraordinary visionaries um the whole startup <laughs> visionaries and to get their idea from their head to a hand sketch to a let's say like a packaging layout on in a CAD model and bringing that all the way and then along with that process I learned so much working with such a variety of projects so I learned something yesterday and I implement it today it just and to see that all come in um to um to just like a final physical product that you you hold, you can touch, you can pass around, you can sit in or whatever just is really, really, really cool. I, it, it makes me really proud. I'm just... I'm <laughs> you do sound like a very balanced individual. Do you have any kind of secrets as to how you achieve that balance in life? Well, thank you. thank you for the compliment. I'm glad I sound uh, balanced on air. I, I will disagree with you, though. I, I still have a lot of um, confidence 
issues that I'm working um, with. So it's kind of the fake it until you make it uh, mentality. So working on that, I do have a lot of anxiety, um, just the whole um, what we were talking about before with perfectionism and trying to to reach that. But I just just the um, I don't know, I have a drive to keep moving forward and I think maybe that's what keeps me balanced um I do try and keep myself in check I think having friends you can call when you're sad or stressed and um people you can rely on really help um with all of that um emotional um kind of stress but no I'm I'm not balanced (laughs) well thank you so much for the honesty of admitting that because um I think one of the pressures that women have is to really uh, create the illusion that they've got this. And I really suffered with feeling able to show my weakness in engineering because, you know, being surrounded by a lot of men, I felt like I had to be one of the boys. So I think you admitting that you're still working on that stuff is very inspiring. What is the anxiety rooted in? for you like where does it come from why does it occur for you I think everything just feels so real and so consequential now than ever before um especially with um, my work environment if I make a big enough mistake I will I will get fired I am still um replaceable um my company has a hire slow fire fast policy And so I think a lot of it is um, workplace culture is causing me a lot of anxiety, Um, the the need for um, being perfect and doing everything really, really well um, is causing a lot of stress. Um, Yeah, those kinds of things. And that doesn't sound like a gender thing. It sounds more like a work environment issue. Yeah, I think it is mostly a, a work environment issue. I don't think my workplace has the healthiest work culture. It's uh, it's definitely a place where they they burn people out and then you get replaced with the next batch of um, people. Um, there there are some um, gender issues uh for instance um only the me and another um mechanical engineer uh only females in the company there's no um female leadership there's no um just even mentorship at my company that's non-existent so i don't really have anyone to look up to i don't have that many people within the company i can talk to because if i talk about how I'm struggling, that's a sign of weakness and a way I I could get fired. Actually, someone uh, got let go a few weeks ago for being, um, quote, too emotional at work. Women do tend to be highly emotional. So are you an emotional person? Um, And (laughs) how do you cope with your emotions at work if you are? Yeah, I am a very emotional uh, person. So when that other um, person got let go a few weeks ago for um, those kinds of reasons, and um, in like the official, they sent a company wide email. In the official email, I think they they try to cover it up, like it wasn't a right culture fit, it wasn't this, but all the company gossip afterwards was like, yeah, that guy was way too emotional. He he talked about his feelings too much. Da, 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 it affected his projects. And that was like, oh, gosh, uh, reminder, um, don't be too emotional at work. <laughs> um, I am emotional, and I think I use humor to kind of disguise my emotions. So if I'm really upset, Maybe I make kind of like a funny, snarky comment to someone. And so it, it expresses that I'm angry, but I'm not really angry because it's a joke. But is it a joke? So that kind of tactic. Well, first of all, I just jumped to the conclusion that the emotional person that was let go from your company was female. Um, so I'm surprised to note that it was a guy. But I, I often find these issues that come up um, on these podcasts 
are very complex and multi-layered. So it's like there is no room for emotion within mechanical engineering, possibly, because I also experienced that myself. But then it's not necessarily a gender issue, although women have a tendency to be more emotional than men. So it's like, are we talking about the anxiety stemming from emotion or just the anxiety stemming from a need to just take emotion off the table completely? It's really complex. It is. And yeah, I don't know how to answer it. I I think just in general, though, these feminine traits, um, being emotional, um, having, you know, um, relationships, having empathy in the office, those types of things are seen as weaknesses. And it it doesn't have to be related, um, in this case, to um, gender. But um, yeah, kind of what you were saying, it's it's a boys club, you got to be part of the boys club. And the boys club jokes around, they don't discuss their feelings, you just you kind of have to hide all of that. Do you feel that emotions are a waste of time in your workplace? Or would you like to see more of that emotional intelligence in your industry? I would love, love, love to see more emotional intelligence in our industry. Mechanical engineering, um, it's not too far off removed from industrial engineering, where industrial engineering is very focused on um, user experience and things of that nature. Um, Mechanical engineers, we're designing things for real people to use. And I think having a high emotional um, intelligence would really help with the with even just the design itself um thinking about your end user in in a more complete way i think would would help design and i think that's something i'm bringing right now to the company and why a lot of people were were kind of doubtful of my style cuz the the questions i would ask like well would the cost does the customer really want this or does the customer mean mean actually this kind of caught people off guard. Like, no, the customer gave us these specs. Like, we need to follow the specs. It's like, well, no, let's step back and, you know, think about it, relate to them, you know, be in their shoes. So I, I, yeah, I I think we need to get more emotional um, about our customers and then just also about each other. Like, I think burnout is so such a huge problem in the, um, the tech industry and in the Silicon Valley tech industry and I just burnout and pushing people too far past their comforts I just do not think is acceptable you know first of all I just want to say thank you thank you so much for actually having a voice within your industry to say you know what I think my ideas are actually valid because I think a lot of women are so scared of their ideas being rejected that Often women have to become more like men to keep their jobs. And it sounds like you resisted that. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for having that bravery to just speak your mind. Um, But also, why is the industry going that way? I mean, why is it, why is the culture like that where men can dominate women in that way? Oh, Yeah, once again, a lot of answers. I actually just finished reading Brotopia by uh, Emily Chang, and that kind of talks about how Silicon Valley became such a Brotopia and basically just the people who founded it um, instilling their ideas and hiring and only wanting to work with people that um, think like you, look like you, I think is the main problem. Sometimes it's, it is easier just to fit in and go with the flow. Um, I've only very recently started um, pushing back, reminding the team, hey, you guys, let's reconsider my idea again. Um, this is very new. And every time I, I speak out, I, in the back of my head, I'm just thinking like, oh, crap, is this, is this the moment where I'm going to get in trouble and I'm going to get fired? Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just faking that confidence and pushing through, I guess. Yeah, I literally can imagine what it must be like for you where you're like, oh, is this the moment when I'm going to get 
fired or my yeah. reputation is going to <laughs> crumble or is this the moment where I'm I gain loads of respect yeah I mean do you find that very exhausting because I feel exhausted hearing you talk about it yes it's super exhausting I I feel like I'm constantly coming up with plans and um, I'm always rephrasing how I say things in my head before I speak out or say anything I always have a plan like a backup plan like okay what if um, the, my suggestion is um, the the senior team really hates it what am I gonna say then so like okay so that's plan a or um what if plan b activates and um this becomes very serious and then my um my boss's boss has to to step in like what am I gonna do at that point or like how should I phrase it or it's like who am I talking to who's my audience okay like this person likes jokes so I should be more funny with this person this person's very serious I need to be very careful with my words so I'm just I'm constantly churning and thinking of all possibilities and all ways to approach and this is just talking and then I do the same same thing for like my actual job which is designing stuff (laughs) Do you think your colleagues go through the same processes? Um, I in the de- maybe the design half, like oh, if I design this, then you know these are the pros and cons. I don't know if they do when it comes to talking. I think they they speak their mind, and that's that. I mean, I I don't want to boil it down to being a woman in that environment, but it does sound like. I don't know, you're having to take on that extra analysis um, because you're female. Would you think that's a fair thing to say? I think it is a fair thing. Um, And maybe once again, it's not female, but maybe it's feminine characteristics because I am more emotional and because I, I might think a little differently than some of my colleagues. I have to factor that in with how I... Um, say something or even how I um, present myself and those kinds of things. Do you know, I'm trying to think back to our conversation today and, and I'm wondering whether it sounds positive or negative for mechanical engineering. I don't know. We'll have to let the <laughs> listeners decide. But for anyone that is considering walking in the same footsteps that you've taken, what would you be your advice to them? My biggest advice is just really jump into the field. And it doesn't have to be through um, formal education. Mechanical engineering is, um, it is a lot of design. So if you're practicing um, drawing hand sketches in your notebook, or um, you want to just put something together, like getting familiar with um, power tools and building stuff, um, taking things apart and just looking how um, things work and getting that um, um, mechanical understanding of how everyday objects work, I think is really important. And having that background, um, I think is really essential because I think anyone can learn the the equations and learn the software but to become a good designer or a good um, mechanical tester or those kinds of things you kind of need need an just like kind of an innate understanding of um objects and would you recommend this as a good career choice for a woman yes I would um it kind of sucks right now but I think I really really think that it's going to be better mechanical engineering is such a diverse field too I talk a lot specifically about uh design engineering but there's there are so many um different aspects to mechanical engineering every object we touch is um, influenced or designed by a mechanical engineer, um, your toilet paper holder, your lamps, um, the machines that, you know, die cut the fabrics on your pillows, um, things like that. So if I would say, um, if you are a person that appreciates objects, like if you are materialistic in that way, um, 
and you want to make objects and make them work for people, I think you should really consider mechanical engineering. It's, it's, it's a lot of creativity and it's a lot of problem solving. Um, the math and the science just are the tools to get there. And in terms of like the most important characteristics you need to be in an industry like yours, what would you say are the most important? I think you really just have to push through and believe in yourself. You're going to have so many people work against you, whether that be your own mother, your professors making sexist comments in class, just ignore, ignore all of those people. Just focus on yourself and push and push through and, um, I think we'll we'll all get there. I think the the industry is um, slowly getting better. And just for my own sort of like personal comparison, what's it been like for you as a woman in terms of like just the way you dress for work and stuff like that? Because for me, I always had to tone down my femininity. Is this something that you, you like? Do you end up even? caring about this stuff oh I definitely care about this so um I I love makeup I love clothes um so I'm I'm always I'm you know getting my nails done I have um I wear fake eyelashes every day so I have a a very like um made up feminine look so at work I really tone it down because at work everyone's wearing jeans and t-shirts um so I don't wear anything low cut. Um, you're you're allowed to wear shorts. I do not wear shorts. I wear um, everyday um, long pants um, that go down to at least my ankles. Um, a shirt, um, kind of baggier, nothing um, skin tight, and then um, closed toed, comfortable shoes. And you know, sometimes you are working in a machine shop. So just keeping that safety in mind, always having, I have longer hair. So having a hair binder on my wrist in case I got to tie up my hair and jump into the machine shop. And then my makeup is um, pretty natural or toned down. Um, I've had, I've, I've had some experience where I like, I've pushed the line and I got some really bad feedback. Um, one time I dyed my hair kind of a pastel blue. Uh, it was very trendy on Instagram. I thought it would look cute. I thought it looked cute, but I got such weird comments like, why is your hair blue? Like, what did you do to yourself? Uh, like, like just like confusion. I just utter confusion from all my male coworkers. I had so many comments that day and I was like, uh, I really shouldn't do this again. <laughs> I should just keep it natural looking now. Do you feel that you have to compromise aspects of yourself to do your job? Or are you quite happy to to make those changes? I think the, the dressing thing personally is um, fine. My company doesn't have a dress code. So this is pretty much the unsaid, uh, the unspoken dress code. And so if that's a part of corporate America, having a dress code, whether it's written down or it's, um, you know, secretly there, I'm okay with it. That's kind of just part of the system. But yeah, as soon as I come home and I'm going out to a nice restaurant, uh, I change my clothes, I wear the dress I want to wear, my open-toed shoes, and I, I pile on the the makeup. So I have a, a work look and a regular look for sure. The woman comes out with a vengeance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so right at the beginning of this conversation, you said that you very early on, you thought you may be more creative. Is that right? Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> have you had an opportunity to uh, let that creativity out either through your work or otherwise? Yeah, a bit of both. Um, I'm, and I'll say engineering school was the best decision of my life. I'm so much more comfortable and I think content. So art school probably was a bad idea. So I'm glad I didn't go down that path. But I, yeah, creativity. So um, being a design engineer, actually has a lot of creativity and I've kind of helped open the doors for my company to 
allow to be more creative. Um, I do a lot of um, drawing and hand sketches for all my designs and not everyone draws at work. Some people just go straight to the computer. But before when I was sketching in notebooks, maybe for like an hour before I even turn on the computer, I was questioned like, why aren't you working? Because my computer wasn't on and it's like, I am working. This is how I ideate. I ideate, you know, on a piece of paper and I'd explained that to a couple of folks and they're like, oh, okay, sure, that's fine. So there's some there. And then um, after work, um, I do all my other like creative kind of like side projects. Um, I got a 3D printer last year. So I'm printing a lot of Halloween costume parts and um, <laughs> things like that. I paint, I do arts and crafts. Um, so yeah, I do a lot of stuff after work for fun it's kind of like a, a stress reliever gosh it's just been so inspiring to speak to you and see how another mechanical engineer who's a woman kind of navigates through this career choice um it's brought back so many memories of my days in the industry and i really do feel like i've learned a lot from you um through your honesty and through your strength and tenacity. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for hosting. This has been almost um, kind of therapeutic. Um, I've had all of these like thoughts before and a lot of the questions you asked um, were really good questions. But yeah, I, I, feel, I feel lighter after this conversation. <laughs> I'm so glad. Thank you so much. That's it from our STEM guest this week. Wow, what an incredible woman. I just feel like she is so sorted in her approach to this very male-dominated industry. She certainly picked up a few lessons along the way, which is making her push through the challenges that still seem to be there. Um, They haven't changed since the day I was in mechanical engineering. What an incredible woman. Thanks for listening and catch you next week on Silence.